0: Hello and welcome to The Barred I'm Matt Workman and as always I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you
1: doing today? I'm do- doing pretty well. How are you doing, Matt?
0: Well, it's uh, almost Friday and I'm going to see Dr. Strange on Saturday, so I'm getting pretty, pretty pumped.
1: I, I don't know when I'm going to get to see it.
0: Yeah, got, probably- our,
1: our next two weekends are pretty packed.
0: Yeah, I bought tickets two weeks ago, uh, and I'm going. To, we're going to IMAX. So,
1: I'm well, we can, we can we can we'll have to hold off on talking about that one.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but speaking of weekends, last weekend was a big one for Baylor football, particularly. Um, did you get to? see any of the the Baylor picks like in real time or like were you watching the draft or just getting updates
1: i actually i watched a good amount of the draft especially the the first two nights so i watched yeah. the first through the third rounds and then saturday i kind of just had it had it on in the background i wasn't really paying attention to it but uh, i got to see all the guys that got picked uh, within the first three rounds
0: yeah i mean it was it started off pretty what we had thought you know Unfortunately, no one, Jalen Petrie, no one made it into the end of the first round. But I think there was, a, you know, events kind of the draft kind of made what it was with like the picks, the teams that did before then. There was wide receiver trades, then wide receiver picks. And then so that kind of had a run on wide receiver. I think there's like six wide receivers drafted in the first round
1: or something like that. And so it was a it was a weird year. Yeah, I I feel like
0: I haven't haven't been
1: paying attention to the NFL draft as much probably the last two or three years. So maybe I'm just off there. But from what I remember when I used to be really into it, it was it was definitely a weird draft.
0: Yeah, you got to think like last year, there's a legit debate about um, whether like Mac Jones should be number one. And he ended up going like 15, you know. There's a legit like debate, like, who oh, he's going to be like the, you know, he's a top three pick. Um, and that didn't come back. Who,
1: who was the biggest Baylor surprise for you?
0: I'm going to say it was, well, that was drafted. Yes. The, it would be Taekwondo. Not that he was drafted, but where he was drafted.
1: We talked about surprised. this. Yes. Before the draft, where I told you I had found a, uh, I'd found uh, a prediction that he was going to be the second one off the board. And we were both like, no, nah, that won't happen nah. at all.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I was certain it would be like, it would be Terrell. Um, or JT woods based on what I've seen, like mock drafts and, and just reading, you know, reports and things of that nature from people who are like insiders and all that stuff. But, and I definitely thought he would be drafted, but I thought earliest he's going to be like a, of, like, an early fourth round pick,
1: I think he really benefited because there was a run on wide receivers. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the Patriots basically said, This is the guy we want, we don't think he'll be there when we pick again. So, we're and just so, gonna go. Get
0: him. And I was watching the second round live too, and it was like they traded up to draft, yes, Taquan. So, that means they had to have thought someone who they leapfrogged was going to draft Taquan,
1: right? Or they knew that he was the receiver they wanted. And, yeah, and they didn't. They, they did, But they knew the other they teams were going to yeah. be taking receiver. It's like, well, why yeah. take the chance?
0: And if you look at the how, how the draft laid out, after that pick, there was a run on receivers, right? Because you could see receivers were going off ahead of him, and then they traded up and drafted him, and then receivers went
1: after him. Like in, yeah, it was a it was a good next strong couple picks, strong run on wide receivers in the second round.
0: Well, they it, all going into it, they said that it was a deep wide receiver draft, so you could go a different route in the first round and you could still pick up a good wide receiver in, like, the in in day two, second and third rounds. And that's what a lot of teams did. I mean, even, like, uh, the Cowboys, they picked up a wide receiver from South Alabama. And so – and that was, like, a third-round pick, I think. So – and that's just what a lot of teams did. They went another route and weren't going to spend draft capital to move up to get one of those other wide receivers.
1: Do you think anyone was drafted too low or that wasn't drafted that you thought should have been?
0: I was certain Abram Smith was going to be drafted. Um, I was during, in real time, I was shocked because a lot of backs were getting drafted that didn't have, didn't have the production he did this past year. And you got to think like he, he has only had a whole full year of being a starting running back. So he's got a lot of a tread still left on the tires for for a running back. But the more I thought about it, I, I did realize like, oh, he does have two ACL injuries,
1: and he's slow. Like by by NFL standards, as a running back, like he's not fast.
0: And there's another another train of thought was he's also scheme specific.
1: Yeah, that's true. His one, he's, he's a one cut and a wide
0: zone. Um offense so if you don't go to that similar type of one cut downhill offense then he's not he's not a shifty back
1: right and he's not a uh he's not like a a patient wait 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 (laughs) find the gap go back
0: either or and and really in the offense he wasn't asked to, to to catch a lot as a he wasn't a threat out of the backfield in the in the passing game either so
1: I think he probably still had the skill there. But probably, I mean, I
0: think he does. Yeah, like
1: I expected him to be a sixth, sixth or seventh round pick. Like I thought he, he was going to get drafted, used, but I wasn't, wasn't appalled by it.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think he's in a good spot. And if you see the terms of his his deal with the Saints, I mean, he's getting paid like a fifth round pick. He's got like two hundred and something thousand dollars, like fully guaranteed.
1: Yeah, he, got, he got some fridge. money.
0: Yeah. $15,000 signing bonus and, like, like $207,000 was his, like, base salary. But it's all fully guaranteed. So, even if he doesn't make the squad, that's what he's getting. But I and think he'll make the squad. He has a, The way they're paying him, like, he has a great chance to make the team.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But everyone else, you know, I've, I figured – I was shocked – I was a little shocked that Treston Ebner got drafted. I thought it'd be reversed. I thought Abram would be drafted, then you'd have Treston get picked up um, in the undrafted free agency.
1: Treston is more versatile. You can you can play him on special teams. You can um you can play him as a slot receiver and you can play him as a running back.
0: Yeah. And I was thinking my, my mistake in this analysis was I was thinking like a college football fan and not like uh, how the NFL fans were. I was listening to a podcast, you know, NFL teams, they draft traits. They don't draft production. And just like you said, he has the traits to make – he's versatile. He can be in your special teams play. He can be part of your stable of running backs and come off the bench to spell your other backs. So it's like – and he's a change of pace type of guy.
1: Yep. Yeah, he's he's I you know, I I'm rooting for him. I think yeah. He's got to be he's got to be in an offense that utilizes him correctly, but I think he could be a productive NFL player.
0: I'd say. I think for the most part all of them, even the undrafted guys are all going to be find themselves in pretty good spots. I mean, some things, you know, not all of them are going to, you know, become like all pros or anything like that, but I think every one of them could end up having, you know, decent careers in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Just the way they were developed and how they were coached by the, um, by cultural staff and um, Aranda staff. Now I did want to say, ask you, did you see any of the back and forth? Now this is a, a very Baylor Twitter specific uh, question about who should take credit for the Baylor players being drafted
1: oh my god did you see this on twitter um over the weekend I saw the aftermath of it I'll say like I think I I I hopped on later on in the day and I could see like the remnants of the conversations that had gone on and I think I think I made a comment on twitter that was something like um what what made the these kids getting drafted so special like i think this is a different group of players for us in general not just because of the success but because of the time that they represent and i what i said was you have to appreciate like the entire journey to get there so that means like matt rule if he wants to take credit for some of this like he absolutely has the right to do that if joey mcguire wants to take some of the credit for this like he absolutely has the right to do that like his his fingerprints were all over.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: these players them, and
0: it did rub me a little the wrong way in real time. Cause I would, I still follow Joe McGuire on Twitter. So I was seeing the like, um, these are all processed guys. One of us things. And I was like, all right, buddy. I mean, yeah, I but that's, it. they're your guys. I get it. But just, just retweet what Baylor's tweeting. I mean, just like Billy Napier, just retweeted university of Louisiana tweets. They didn't, he didn't take credit, even though he's, was was you know could take credit for those players so um, what
1: like i don't man i way. don't have i don't find any fault in a guy's hate. like he's got to market his brand it,
0: it, i know i just it, it rubbed me the wrong way how he went about doing it
1: like i feel like our assistant coaches do it all the time too like uh the last couple of years if like some dude at lsu did something
0: i see i've never seen that i've never seen Dave ran
1: do that well, I'm not talking Dave Aranda. I've seen some of our assistants do stuff like that.
0: And I, I guess that's part of it, too, is um,
1: Dave Aranda, doesn't. he's the head coach.
0: <laughs> I'd be fine if it was like Brian Nance. I did not care. My, I guess my thing is like you're the, as the head coach. Why? Probably. I don't know why. Maybe because I have like old person syndrome. It's, it's because things, y'all are
1: scared of Joey. That's that's what I'm it is. I'm not scared of Joey. Yes, you are. No, I you're scared not. of Joey.
0: I think he's corny, and it rubs me the wrong way.
1: You loved him when he was here, and you know that a hundred percent. You're just True. that's what I think. I think people are legitimately like you're hurt that he would leave, and no. you're you're scared that he actually I, I was say as as neither. big of a piece. I as, can't
0: speak for anyone else. Me, personally, I expected him to leave. This year, I absolutely expected him to leave just because he was in the running for the Baylor job. And then he kind of was like, I figured after this year, after sticking around after, you know, the two and seven season doing, I figured this would be his last year. I didn't foresee him getting like a, a big 12 job, but I figured he would be gone.
1: That's like his dream job too.
0: And that's fine. I'm not gonna. Not. And no one knew that except him and his probably family. Because it never like in the conversation never came up. Like, yo, if tech opens up, like Joe, that's his dream job. That never was part of the um, conversation.
1: Yeah, because I don't think people ever actually believe. Like, like you said, like you didn't expect him to get a Big no. Twelve job. I think, I think his. Ascension into power five level head coach surprised a lot of people. Well, but I thought I don't he did, think he's undeserving.
0: TCU would probably be more because he's a he's spent most of his career in the fourth area, Dallas Fort Worth area.
1: Yeah, but his daughter went to Tech. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So, I don't know. Like I I hold no grudge against him. Like I hope we kick his ass every time we play him. And it rubbed me the wrong way when it happened. Like I was just like because I felt like he went to kind of a quote-unquote rival but like after i've had time to like sleep on it like i don't i don't hold any grudge against joey and i think he absolutely deserves to take credit for uh being a part of what these guys became and i think those guys appreciate that from him and i think all those guys that played under him definitely respect him so um i I have it the wrong way no issue from me
0: I saw him retweet like big game boomer. And I was like, all right, man, we got to. Everybody someone, was retweeting big game boomer. That day. All the coaches a, were. Again, man, it's marketing. A of,
1: you got to gotta take go where the kid,
0: kids are. I have no problem with it. If it was an, another staffer, I just, but that's just me.
1: All right. Now, what you got next on the list?
0: Okay. So now we're done with the NFL draft. It's, um, there was some news that came out, some a little bit surprising news out of, the, out of the men's basketball program where Matthew Meyer is going as put his name in the transfer portal. He's still in the NBA draft process, but he's he's in the portal, a portal casualty.
1: Yeah, and, I think, um, I think, I think some people are hurt by this one. Again, I'm not. Um, I don't know. I, I think.
0: I think this is, there's there's not a spot form.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I, think, that's I think probably what happened was he went to Scott Drew and said I'm I'm going pro. And Scott Drew said, "All right. Good luck, man. That's great. I'm happy for you. Go get your money." Yeah. And I think he immediately went and found a couple of guys in the transfer portal that could yeah. uh, that could replace Meyer's role on the team. And then I think what happened probably was Meyer got some bad news about where his draft expectations were. And so he probably realized like, oh, crap, like I told them I was leaving. I'm not going to put them in a situation where they have to like break a promise to another kid. Like, hey, transfer here. You'll get this playing time. Oh, sorry, I lied to you. This guy's coming back. Um, So it was the right thing for him to do, I think. I think that's 100% is it was just, hey, man, sorry, we don't have your spot anymore.
0: Well, no, I think it's like we talked about with the Caleb Loner signing, which was official, became official. Um, this past week that uh, he kind of plays that 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 spot that position, right.
1: yeah. And I'm sure part of him transferring here was the expectation of like, oh, I play the role of a guy that they're losing, yeah. I can come fill that role.
0: And so, so yeah, so Caleb Loner, Jalen Bridges, they both officially signed. And then we didn't talk about this, but earlier they got a commitment from a Juco player. I think we talked about we lost, uh, there's like a um.
1: We lost a guard.
0: Yeah, he uh, released from his letter of intent, um, Hunter. I forgot his first name. Um, Uh, Dylan. Dylan Hunter, yeah. Um, And so they kind of replaced him with a a JUCO guard from Kilgore College, Dan Grimes, who uh, committed to Baylor. He's a 22, in the 22 class. So with those three additions, and then I guess the expectation is if uh, Flagler is most likely going to come back after he, you know, gets feedback from the league or from the <clears throat> NBA. And then, um, and then that's all the, there's no scholarships left.
1: Right. Cause you've, you've got Keontae coming in. You've yeah. got links to love coming in
0: and then a Josh O coming in.
1: Yep. And you've got LJ Cryer coming back. Yeah. You've so, got Flo Thalma coming back. Yeah.
0: Now my, my inclination is that he's going to, go pro one way or another i i I could be completely wrong but in my mind i don't see him coming back to college for one more year that's matthew meyer
1: i don't know um we'll see like if he if he finds out that he is like not on draft boards because there's only two rounds so Like I think if he were to find out that he's just flat out not on draft boards, which would surprise me. Like I don't I don't see why he wouldn't be worth at least a second round pick. Um but yeah, I could see him saying like okay, let me go play in a different system as well. Yeah. Like like that's the other thing. Like maybe he didn't want to come back because he's like okay, I NBA teams aren't seeing what they want out of me. The things that they want to see just don't fit what Scott Drew is running right now, so I'll go to a different system. So um, that could be what it is as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I agree with that. Um, but my, like we talked about earlier, you can make good money playing overseas basketball.
1: Why would yep, you not you can. Get,
0: do that and get develop and develop like other players have done, and then come back to the league and be on a playoff team? Like
1: um, he could, he could also maybe go chase some nil money you never know true uh because Jeff Goodman tweeted that he's that Meyer has said that he's heard from Tech North Carolina USC Memphis Alabama Arkansas Illinois and others so so he's there's plenty of interest out there for him
0: I did hear a rumor that it was like um was it uh McCullers and Meyer were um both gonna go to Kansas
1: (laughs) I don't think that'll happen
0: that was a rumor I heard
1: because
0: they both are in the portal. Star, I say star, I use the term star loosely, you know, important players for both teams. Maybe McCullers more than, than, than Meyer,
1: but. Let's just um, do a straight up trade where we will take they can have Meyer for a year. We'll take McCullough for a year.
0: <laughs> but um, there's also some additions on the women's basketball side as well. We had uh, three transfer transfers came in. Um, and pretty, uh, you know, high-profile transfers as well.
1: Yeah, you've got uh, two from the SEC and uh, one from Stanford, which, I mean, it's, uh, that's some pretty strong programs to be pulling yeah. from. So we've got Kentucky, Missouri, and Stanford in there.
0: So, yeah, so the um, women's basketball, Nikki Collin, they added Brianna Edwards, who is a Ford from Kentucky. Asia Blackwell, a guard from Missouri, and Jana Van Gietenbeek, which is a guard from Stanford. Um, I think... I can't Jana, wait to
1: find out if you're just pronouncing that wrong.
0: I, I can't either. I don't think I'll ever find out.
1: Oh, her, her name... Her, her name uh, like, I'm sure you'll hear her name on TV. And you'll, yes. and you'll be like, oh, I, I got that way wrong.
0: Which, I mean, I think I'm right, though.
1: We'll see. We'll see.
0: If I'm... My phonetic Dutch pronunciations. But um, I think she's a uh, like a three-point shooter. I could be wrong, but I believe I remember seeing that.
1: Yes, I believe you're correct. And that would be, I mean, what you're seeing here, it's two guards and a forward. Yeah. Um, whereas our our old regime was very uh post-oriented. Uh Nikki Collin. Uh, from everything that I've read about her is more um, guard oriented and definitely more shooting oriented. So I think seeing two guards come in and only one forward. And, uh, you know, the forwards only 6'2". So, um, but, you know, we do have a six foot guard in there. That's, that's pretty tall in women's basketball. So, I think you're seeing just a more shift towards what colin coaches uh more shooting more ability to to run up and down the court rather than what we've seen in the past which was more slower paced and you know kind of get it into the post style basketball
0: yes yeah, so i mean it's I mean, nikki Collins is making um making moves building this team for next year and i saw some early i, I don't know if it may have been espn like a top 25 or something for women's basketball, and Baylor was twentieth. Do you have any thoughts on that particular
1: rating? Uh, okay, so I think that's a—I
0: don't say Texas was pretty high. <laughs> Which they ignoring, should. Be. I mean, ignoring they had a great Texas postseason, you know.
1: You you got to understand, like this is this is kind of Nikki Collins' first, um push out on her own like she's going to be yeah. building the team more around like you know her style of play very her kind of players left yeah and you're losing arguably the best player in the country in Melissa smith the number two overall pick in the nba draft you're losing another top 10 pick in queen egbo um so and and those two were, were kind of like safety nets you know you you could always um find a way to Going through either of them, especially Melissa Smith, like she was just a bucket. So, um, I think it, it, there's a reasonable skepticism out there, and I think we're better than that. But we'll we'll see. Like I'm not going to be upset at, at anybody for rating us 20. I know as a program we're used to be, you know, we're used to being much higher than that. So, like, oh no, we were only rated as a top 20 team to start the year in the way too early top 25. Like it'll be okay. Um yeah. I think this team will be better than 20th.
0: Yeah, I mean she's taking full advantage of the uh the transfer portal. And if you've been paying attention to college football Twitter over the past, especially I think it's heightened up over the past couple of weeks, but especially this week, there's been some real like um you know, bemoaning the current the current climate or era of college football with the transfer portal with NIL and I I was curious your thoughts on this current era that we're in of college football and basically just you know player you know players having more agency than they have historically
1: I have no issue whatsoever um with any of the transfer rules like I I'm of the the mind that if coaches have freedom of movement however they want whenever they want without any punishment um, then the players should too and nobody tells a you know computer science major that if they were suddenly accepted into a program at another school that was better than the one that they were currently at like no one would bat an eye if they transferred so I just you know i don't think it really matters that much like everybody's like this is going to be the death of college football no it's not um and it's the same thing with nil like i think nil is a bit out of hand but i fully expected it to be at the beginning it's one of those things where i think it will come back down to earth eventually um everybody's just testing the waters trying to see what they can get away with and i think eventually the ncaa is going to learn um, and there's going to be more and more regulations put on it. But I, th- I overall, like, I think it's fine. Like if donors want to get together and pay kids to play football at their school, I, I honestly don't care because I think you should be able to earn whatever somebody thinks that you're worth for services that you can provide. And if that service is quite literally entertainment and they're saying, I really, really enjoy watching football played by my school, I will give you a bunch of money to come do that so that I can cheer for you. Like, fine. Like pay them a bunch of money to do that. It doesn't bother me.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm kind of the same mind. the The NIL thing. This is all the NCAA's fault. They could have put in regulations to so where you wouldn't have these collectives, um, alumni bases putting together, and and giving these large amounts of money to largely unproven college players. Although, you know, in the transfer portal, it's a little bit different because. You know, the whole situation from this week with the um, the receiver from, from Pitt who won the – I think he won the Bolitnikoff Award, and then he's kind of like going to the portal and there's allegations of tampering, which, you know, there's always tampering. There's always been – before NIL, there's tampering for transfers. So um, – but for the most part, for recruiting, for recruits out of high school, largely they're unproven recruits that you're giving large amounts of money to which is not sustainable as a, as a model.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's more sustainable than people think um, people. I We've seen this story before. It's just legal now. Right. Like, I mean, we've heard all the stories, especially like in the eighties, right. You know, pony excess sure. and um, sure. the Eric Dickerson uh, firebird. Like we've all heard the stories. Yeah. But it's, and some so of now stories, it's just out in the open.
0: Yeah. But you know, it's different. Like if you get a trans am, like that's all underneath the, the rules of NIL, like you can get a sponsorship with a dealership and
1: have a free car as part of your payment. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's all it's all it's, However, it's the same stuff that's been going on. It's just out in the open now. So
0: there's a recruit went to Tennessee He's getting like eight million dollars reportedly. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's not a, uh, you know, a McDonald's bag full of hundreds. That's a that's a large amount of money.
1: So do you follow the uh, the college football Reddit account on Twitter? I do. Okay, they they tweeted out an excerpt from an article today that said, um, "I think it was about the uh, American Football Coaches Association wanting to put regulations on NIL, yeah. and I think one of the comments was something along the lines of coaches have complained that they don't know how to handle boosters that are offering uh, NIL money to kids that they don't even want to offer a scholarship to. Oh yeah, and, like that's the funniest thing, in like see." that's like where i think there's going to end up being like official regulations but i think some of the stuff is going to end up self-regulating itself out because it's just the wild west and chaos yeah. right now and people are trying to figure out how it operates and what to do and they don't yeah. know they don't know how much money to actually throw at things right now but it's hilarious to me to think that there are kids out there that are getting a phone call from a booster that's like the university of texas really really wants you and i would give you five hundred thousand dollars to come play here and Know Sarkeesian's like I don't even I don't even want that guy,
0: yeah. And as far as the transfer portal thing goes, I have no issues with any any of those rules because it's really only getting one. You know, it's a one-time transfer waiver basically, and then afterwards you have you have to sit out the year like the old rules were. If it's now, unless you graduate.
1: One gray area where I'm still not sure how I feel yet. Um, is so what we saw happen between Pitt uh, with their with their top wide receiver. Yeah, I think it was the Blitnikoff Award winner. Yeah. There's been like, like he entered the transfer portal, and I think he's he said he's going to USC. I don't know USC. I believe
0: I don't know if he's made an announcement. Um, because like all this was he hadn't even entered the portal till Tuesday, and this is all going back and forth. Where like, I read a report to where um, Pat Narduzzi had called lincoln riley didn't like what was going on because apparently there's some allegations of like you said he was on the roster he wasn't in the portal and there were stories about he was going to
1: usc right and so there became the accusations of tampering with essentially i saw pit fans and college football fans in general were accusing lincoln riley and usc of essentially recruiting yeah. a player on another team with nil money,
0: yeah. If I was Lincoln around, I'd say, "And there's no rules. There's no rule that says I can't do this."
1: Well, I do believe. Like, I don't know if you're allowed to have contact with a kid that is outside, that isn't in the transfer portal. But mm-hmm. the gray area would be, I don't know where the, I don't know where the line is crossed now with a booster who has the ability yeah. to provide name, image, likeness. You know, but also you don't
0: know the line with coaches because Baylor's been a beneficiary of a couple of LSU guys. When, where did that contact begin? This is,
1: this is a bit different though, because I don't think Lincoln Riley and USC had any previous ties. Like when, when a defensive coordinator like Dave Aranda goes to be a coach somewhere else and a guy that he recruited and coached before enters the transfer portal, of course, everybody's brain is going to be like, Oh, is, is he going to consider the guy that he committed to go to college and play for in the first place? Yeah, that's a bit different than that.
0: I think it's more yes. along the line. This was probably more along the lines of he, like you said, he he's a Bolitnikov award winner. None of the guys who were drafted in, the, in NFL in the first round won the Bolitnikov because this this guy did, and it's. I think this was more fueled by nil than anything else
1: i agree i think think
0: either someone from usc a booster because apparently they don't have like one of these collective groups that have pulled together um that i'm aware of so i think this may just been like you know they do have um rich boosters
1: for sure absolutely and And or it could have just been that the kid decided i think i I want to transfer like I think I want to go I, I think like he may have had somebody representing him that was looking around saying like hey bigger programs what do you think my guy could get
0: speaking of uh, NIL did you see the uh Bijan Robinson's uh Nil deal?
1: Yes, he is now he has a partnership with Lamborghini of Austin, which is I'm not gonna lie, really cool.
0: I mean you're gonna see Bijan cruising around Austin in a Lambo.
1: I would be so scared to to cruise around Austin or Lambo. I don't like driving in Austin oh, yeah. with my car, let yeah. alone with a car that costs you know, a quarter of a million dollars.
0: Well, it depends on the deal. Like, are they like, giving you a Lamborghini or is it like, are you leasing it? How does this work?
1: Oh, I, I am sure most of these like car deals that we've heard about kids that like get like Spencer Rattler. I guarantee you those are, those are leases. Like, are they mm-hmm. like,
0: you know, cause you know, like in dealers can like, a car off the lot and drive it for x amount of yeah exactly like you
1: get you get the you you get the privilege to drive you know one of their vehicles whenever you request it or Basically something you're just
0: like that. endorsing the product and here's you know yeah use this for a little bit
1: but you have to give it back after a year or if something were to happen and you break the contract you don't you don't get to keep the car. Yeah. So
0: yeah, wow, but no, still
1: nonetheless very very cool partnership and very cool because Bijan robinson is a very fast very good running back so it would make sense that he is partnered with a brand that is known for you know speed and awesomeness i i, I hate the texas longhorns and i think their um their football team is a big trash dump dumpster, uh, dumpster fire but Bijan robinson is a highly elite player and i and i do actually think he's a very good running back so
0: I agree. So we were talking about earlier about USC. They play in the Pac-12. and It happens to be that that is the conference we're going to give our three bold predictions on this week. So I'll let you start. Do you have, what's your first bold prediction for the Pac-12?
1: My first bold prediction is that Oregon State will win the North Division this year. They were seven and six last year, which I know isn't great, but it's really good for Oregon state. They got their quarterback coming back. The coach they got now, Jonathan Smith, I think he's going to take a step forward. And, uh, and I think, I think we're going to see them jump over Oregon this year. I think Oregon's just not going to be that great. I think the North is going to be a pretty garbage division in general. And I think Oregon state's going to win eight or nine games. And that's going to be enough because they'll have a head to head victory over Oregon, Uh, to put them over and they will be the champions of the North division.
0: Okay. So my first prediction is that UCLA will upset USC this year.
1: All right. So you don't think Lincoln Riley's got it in year one.
0: I think he's got it to a point because, but, and I think they will be, uh, You know, Lincoln Raleigh do what Lincoln Raleigh does, but just like Oklahoma, he's good for one or two losses a year that are inexplicable. Hmm. I mean, Kansas State, like three years in a row, beat OU when they're winning Big 12 titles and going to the playoffs.
1: You but so you're telling me, well, we won't get into that. Like we'll talk about it later. Okay. My bold prediction is something similar to that. Um, my second one, and that is that Lincoln Riley is not going to be nearly as good as people think he is. I think I think we might be looking at like a lane kiffin situation where everybody gets super excited and expects him to be great. And I think he's been awesome at Oklahoma, but he's been able to bring in a lot of talent there and i think he's i think he's almost underperformed because every i don't know he just never was able to get over the hump and i don't think usc has the horses right now he might be able to get them there eventually but i don't know if they have them right now and i think he's not going to do great and we're going to see a lot of people turn on him quickly
0: okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go opposite, and I think he'll be the USC is gonna be leaps and bounds better and highly successful with Lincoln Riley in year one. I just don't see them being like playoff contender good. But oh, absolutely! I think I fully believe like with the the way he can recruit and the transfers and the people that he's already got to. come over to usc they're gonna be much improved much improved and um they'll be battling for the spot in the championship game
1: i think they're going to be garbage on defense i think you're going to see a much improved offense but i think they're going to be really bad on defense and the same things that have come back to bite lincoln riley in the past are going to come back and bite him i think even harder here like i think had a good thing going at ou and it's going it's going to be difficult to recreate that culture anywhere it just is ou is a winning program and usc is historically USC. but yeah. recently they're not and you've seen like at schools like texas at schools like michigan at schools like tennessee how hard it is to, yeah. to get that back
0: i think usc has a better now finally has a good athletic director
1: Sure, but the state of California has they're just not able to keep their players.
0: Well, yeah, because Lincoln Riley's recruiting them all, but now he's there.
1: I, there's a lot more than Lincoln Riley that have been recruiting California.
0: True absolutely. Ohio State does as well. I mean so CJ Charles is from California. Yeah. So I just have I think he'll be
1: all right, He'll do what yeah. does. we disagree on Lincoln Riley. That's fine. All right, my third and final bold prediction. It's not as bold as the other, and I don't think we'll get into a crazy conversation about it, but Utah will win the Pac-12 again, but will not make the playoff, and the Pac-12 will be left out of the playoff again.
0: Man, Joe, see, this is what I like about having these conversations with you because we're like so like simpatico, right? Because <laughs> my third one was Utah will win the Pac-12 again and make the playoff.
1: You think they're going to put the Pac-12 in the playoff?
0: Is it called bold predictions,
1: Joe. That's fair. Doesn't That's matter fair. what I
0: think. I'm, <laughs> I'm hot taking it. I'm giving you bold predictions. Hot
1: taking it. Look at that. We're we're
0: no. I mean Utah. They they lost the Britton McCovey, who was a wideout, but they do re- return. They lost Devin co- Lloyd, quarterback. They return. They're leading rusher. Um, so he had like 21 touchdowns last year. So I think I think they're gonna do what Utah does. They beat Oregon twice last year. So and I, I think I just have faith in the program overall.
1: They've lost to Oregon in the back 12 championship the year before. I don't yeah, know. I just they're just so there's they're such an almost there team, like permanently. Just almost yeah. there. They're just they're not exciting enough for me on offense. They're very, very good on defense. They are very good on defense, but the, you can have bad games on defense i mean and i could i just i just don't see them um not losing one or two games, and I think they get left out.
0: well, I would say this I think that it's eventually i mean just like. Those other leagues that aren't the SEC or the Big Ten, I think, like we've talked about before, I think Clemson's going to have a drop off. Like
1: are absolutely talking I, I think Clemson is going to come back to earth a little bit.
0: You know, I don't think uh, I think don't think Michigan's going to have the same type of year that they had last year. Agreed. So, I mean, it leaves you know that fourth spot is, in my opinion, it's a pretty wide open
1: field. It'll go to a third SEC team. <laughs> Possibly So you really um, Yeah So that's the Pac-12 for you guys That's the Pac-12 Now Matt Yes Let's give the people what they want
0: Okay So we got a lot to talk about Because I, I added a couple things to it Because some things Happened Some things dropped That uh, In between when I made the list and tonight that we're going to talk about. Okay. So let's start off with um, the Moon Knight recap. There's a series season. That's debatable. I don't know if it's a season or a series finale. It's the finale
1: definitely for the season one. Yeah, the the Moon Knight season one finale.
0: Yeah, so like Disney Plus put out a tweet, and they in their first tweet they put out, they said season or series finale. Then they deleted that one and put it up, and it said, Series it said season. Or it said season. Yeah, that's what I meant. So
1: I read, I read an I article from uh, the showrunner that basically said he made it to be one season, but he's not sure if it's going to be two. But yeah. basically, they did it in a way to where if it wasn't a second season, that it would still be nice and closed up. Which, surprisingly enough, I think they did a good job at.
0: Yeah. So, what were your overall thoughts for the the episode? We'll talk about the episode first.
1: I I actually I actually quite enjoyed it, and a lot of the fears that I had, I was like, "There's no way that they're going to possibly be able to do justice to the different threads that they have they have opened." Um, I was like, "Oh, they closed most of these. There's still some things that I think were left unresolved." Yeah, but overall, like with the main plot, I was like, okay, this makes sense, okay, this makes sense, and then if you stayed until the after credits scene oh, wait, let's, it was... let's
0: give our spoilers hold on before we talk about this uh if you haven't yes, seen there moon is Night, an after credits yeah uh, uh spoilers for uh moon Knight yeah. episode six
1: but yeah there that's not a spoiler to say go watch it if you haven't if you' no, haven't we're seen gonna, the I'm gonna talk scene.
0: about it because.
1: Yeah. So am I, but no, I think the after credit scene was something that actually answered a lot of questions that I had. So overall, I think this was the best episode of the whole, uh, the whole series.
0: Uh, Yeah. I liked the previous two episodes. Now, I mean, they were Oscar Isaac heavy. Um, he kind of carried those, but and this was more of what you're, I guess you would call it like your classic, like Marvel fair where, you have big CGI
1: fights and yeah. action. Yeah, they definitely, action. they spent their entire CGI budget on this one because we got all the things that you and I have talked about that we haven't seen, which was like big, ginormous, giant CGI characters fighting each other. So
0: I want to talk about um, this. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, it's like kaiju. That's what we got. We got like a a kaiju fight but then i was listening to someone else talk about it they said it's like power rangers yeah it's, it was um, a little bit like power rangers we have like i guess in power rangers you have the smaller characters human characters fighting and then like the larger
1: well no uh, they they control the larger yeah ones. yeah
0: so it's kind of the same it was power ranger-esque
1: it, yeah i mean i'll give it that it was it was very <laughs> large almost kind of awkward moving around uh egyptian gods a skeleton bird and a crocodile fighting each other like bigger than the pyramids i thought it was super cool
0: oh that one shot where i guess it's harold's walking towards uh mark specter and behind him you see them fighting yeah that's a very Um, cool shot and just this awesome shot um which yeah we got mostly computer but it was it looked awesome
1: So, we got, we got like, like I said, we got things that we hadn't, that we had been saying we weren't getting, which was like, okay, your big CGI solid budget. We saw, there was a bunch of other CGI in this that was very well done, but we saw Moon Knight during the day. We saw some fighting during the day. Um, So, that like answered a couple questions for me. Um, And yeah, I thought it was a very high production value. It was, it was a exciting episode the entire time. The only thing that I will question that I was like, this is, is kind of dumb. Is just that, like now, Moon Knight can suddenly fly.
0: Yeah, I didn't. Um, <laughs> so I don't have like,
1: any. He should have just been like, "I can transport you. I can like, I can transport you because I clearly transported to where you are. I I have the power to do that and just transported him there. Not done like this. Yeah, weird I don't know. Fly across the desert scene,
0: comic book accurate because I think in some comic books, like he has like a jet. That he flies in. But I don't think he can fly. But yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that was, I mean, for sure. You could have just been like, well, let's. If you're making up powers, let's just let's just teleport.
1: What did you think of Layla becoming uh, a, an avatar or a superhero? Really?
0: Yes. Yeah, so she I guess her official name is going to be like Scarlet Scarab which is a character from the comics, but it's not. Sh- Layla herself is a, a made up character. It's not from the comic books, but I was, I thought it was dope. I wanted, I've, I'm ready to see more of uh Layla.
1: And uh, well, is that what the name of her God is? is? The, yeah. Yeah. I want to see more of Tawedit. Like,
0: yeah, it was great. That whole, both of them were absolutely great. And, and I, I would like see a sequel just with uh, with Layla and Tawhid. I
1: I was torn about them bringing Stephen Grant back because, because, like I said, it it does it does dilute the consequences of the scene from the second to last episode. Yeah, but, but I think
0: it it was more for Mark's development that he correct, went and back for it him. was
1: cool. It was cool at the end of the of the end of the episode seeing them interchange with each other willingly like and and just effortlessly like it would just be steven then mark then steven then mark yeah
0: and that's just to me that's just oscar isaac has done an amazing job because you're talking about this is like one take you can tell they're not cutting and then he's getting into character for another for to do steven's part like in between dialogue in the middle of the sentences he's switching between characters
1: all right matt so tell me Let's, let's just go ahead and rip the band-aid off what did okay. you uh what did you think about the end credit scene?
0: um I liked it and it kind of just shows you how manipulative uh Konshu is over I mean he just he lied he's not released them he has he still has well, i mean he has uh, technically technically. technically. But it's still like you're not really. I mean, you're just using another one of the personalities that they're not aware of, I guess. To but
1: as as one of the things that we learned in this show is like the the Stephen Grant is real, I guess at this point, like Mark has accepted him as like a true part of him. So
0: Jake Lockley is uh So that's another part of is as well. So you think back, I was thinking about this. Every time you see him like blank out like this, and you really don't see him change you just see the aftermath so like early on i, I was assuming those were mark doing that like when he's in the cupcake van and when they're in like the alps or whatever and you see this like he blanks out and then all these people are dead and he has blood on his hands with a scarab uh-huh i was under at the time under the assumption that that's mark specter but now thinking back because every time this happened it was now I think that was all always Jake Lockley. It was Jake doing that that portion of it. Because you never you always saw Mark, but you never on those indices, you never see him change personality, you just saw the aftermath.
1: Right. So um, and for those that haven't watched it but want the bubble burst, basically what you see is Arthur Harrow in a hospital, a mysterious man comes to wheel him out. Speaking uh, Spanish, yes, and as they go. Uh, there are clearly some dead hospital employees on the way uh arthur harrell gets put into the back of a limo where conchu is sitting and conchu basically says like uh mark mark was worried that i was going to make his wife my next avatar i never had to worry about losing him meet jake lockley and the yeah. third personality of who we wish or who we've been uh, waiting to appear uh finally did in the end credit scene the very last thing that they give us and jake lockley uh, is the one who ends up killing Arthur Harrow. So we got closure there on what happens to Arthur Harrow, and we got closure on um, would the third uh, third identity ever appear.
0: So do you think that it's gonna they'll have a go the route of having another season of Moon Knight? Because like you said, they they wrapped up some things, but they left a couple of things unanswered. That being one of them, and then also you really didn't get any closure with between Mark.
1: No and closure with Layla, Layla at none at all. It's
0: just, they were just back in London.
1: I think, um, I think whatever we get next for Moon Knight, we're not even going to get that closure. It's just going to start at a point where they have either reconciled or they are like, compl- they, they like are divorced, but there's the will they, won't they get back together thing. But I don't, I don't know if we'll ever actually see that. I don't know if there's going to be a season two. I kind of hope there is. I think this would be a cool thing for them to keep going. But I think uh, I think what's more likely is that you will see Oscar Isaac appear in some of the movies. Um, Yeah. But like like you, we talked about this a little bit last week. Like, I think I think there's a chance that there's a season two. I think it's done pretty well and Disney's going to want to get money out of it. But I think at least what's planned for right now is probably only appearances in some movies.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, you may see the other characters like I would be surprised to see. Layla pop up maybe in one another series somewhere down the line, Mm -hmm. Um, especially with what they have going on with Disney Plus, the series coming out. If you have one that's you could fit in, that's more of a well, like I don't know if they're doing a Falcon Winter Soldier, but you know that's kind of more world traveling type of series, and they left things unanswered in that episode as well, or in that series as well. With the uh, power broker and Sharon Carter, mm. but there's a lot. They have a lot to work with with these different series that are uh, coming out, either already coming out or coming out down the line.
1: Yeah. Now, Matt, Matt, there was a piece of media that was released for another show that will be on Disney Plus. Did you get to see the trailer for Kenobi?
0: I did. Our, um friend of the show uh peter pope was kind enough to send us a message with the uh with the trailer embedded and so what was that uh, yesterday morning right
1: oh it was it out? was either i think it was it was either yesterday or yeah, tuesday
0: because it was may the 4th it was star wars day
1: oh yeah 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 correct they released it on may the 4th yes so, it was yesterday um,
0: so yeah and i watched it quite a few times
1: I did as well um, what did you think
0: it just it just got me hyped man I'm just like super I'm just, I can't wait for uh, May 27th uh,
1: I guess spoiler on this like uh, we're gonna talk about maybe like a t- t- surprise thing if you didn't know it was coming in this trailer so go watch it before you listen to this next part but I think did you get hyped about the fact like you heard the
0: well I, I mean I knew because it kind of if you watch the the previous teaser they kind of have that breathing over like the the title card at the end mm-hmm. so they kind of I don't care like
1: every time I hear it I get I'm like yeah. oh my god
0: <laughs> yeah no and I I think I got more excited about seeing the um you know putting in the arm you know they kind of cut these scenes and then the breathing apparatus in the front of his chest gets inserted and then you hear the breathing and then you're just it, the shot is just on like uh Obi-Wan and you hear the breathing and he's just kind of like looking. So it was. Uh, yeah, I'm hyped.
1: Now, one thing I did notice, and I think I texted this is this one to you. It's like you don't they don't show Obi-Wan with his lightsaber. He has I think there's two scenes in the trailer where he's using a blaster.
0: Well, I think that that has to be part of like he doesn't want to draw attention because like at this point he's being hunted.
1: I mean, that's right part of so the, i'm the I'm wondering if 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 like the story that we're gonna because there the um like I've seen some of the promotional material like posters and stuff, and he yeah. does have like a lightsaber on his hilt, so yeah, I'm wondering if like it's part of the costume, so that's why he why he wore it but I, I'm wondering if there's some kind of storyline in the show where he hides it away for, exactly for what you're talking about, like he can't carry it around with him because yeah. if somebody sees it, they'll know exactly what he is.
0: And then I mean I think you'll see you're gonna see light lightsaber play.
1: I yeah, I for think sure. it's gonna be a thing at the like at the end where I mean, he's like I gotta I mean, go back and get my lightsaber for this final battle with Vader.
0: I'm pretty sure like you're gonna see yeah, you're gonna see Obi-Wan Vader fight.
1: Yeah, there's hundred percent going to be an Obi-Wan Vader so, fight. So I
0: mean, and that's gonna be a lightsaber fight. So
1: it's yeah, it's gonna be at the very end
0: but in six episodes be,
1: and there's going to be an Obi-Wan Vader fight in episode 6.
0: And that scene they show in the trailer where it's Obi-Wan just looking like dead into the camera that may be going up into that that final fight. The way the way he looks. Right. And kind of the surroundings where he's at. But um and plus like in the the first teaser in like the Disney Plus logo, they show like the the blue lightsaber I guess doing the the swirl or whatever you call it. Um and this time it's a red lightsaber.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So yeah, I think there's definitely going to be, but I think it's part of it is he that you know Jedi are on, on the run. They're in hiding because they're trying to be eradicated.
1: I'm I, I'm so excited for this show.
0: What do you think? Um. So if you for a brief second they show uh, Kumail Nanjani who's in the show um to me it looked like he's wearing like traditional what you would call like a jedi robe type clothing but i've seen some debates they think it's more of like a smuggler-esque leather brown jacket type thing did you go that much into it
1: i did not get that much into it but yeah i did i did see him in there and i wondered what role he would play it wouldn't surprise me either way if it was that he is um like he's a person that exists within the star wars universe who assists obi-wan in some way or if he is also like a jedi in hiding that yeah. runs into obi-wan or obi-wan goes to talk to or something like that like i could i could see that landing either way with him
0: yeah i so did see
1: him tweet like it's official i am finally part of the star wars universe it doesn't it doesn't it still doesn't feel real which i thought was really cool
0: well i think i um i was under the I was assuming that maybe he was like a, a just a voice role, like um as a droid or something like that. Because I mean he's a comedian by
1: trade. Yeah, but he he was just in a Marvel movie.
0: True. I mean, I know as I a mean, as a
1: like superhero.
0: But I think like in Mandalorian season one, you had like taiko I do the voice of one of the droids. I forgot the name of the droid. But um but so I thought it maybe something of that along that lines, but no, he's like a live action character
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see what he plays i i I just in general i'm i'm very very excited for the show
0: yeah and the way they're phrasing it as like a six part event yeah i'm excited the most thing the most i'm excited for the most person i'm happy about is uh is hayden christensen i cannot wait to see darth vader played by hayden (laughs) christensen again or ever because he was Anakin mostly the whole time, so yeah, like
1: give him his opportunity to be he Vader. Had to finally be all he got as- was
0: no, <laughs> I hate you, but yeah, that was that was a big part of yesterday was me watching Star Wars trailer and, and reaction videos to the Star Wars trailer to Obi Wan Kenobi trailer.
1: I haven't watched any reaction videos yet, but I will.
0: So, normally, that's my like. When I watch like a big trailer, like I'd go to YouTube and say like, if, see if there's any like reactions to it, because then you kind of, I feel like I want to see what other people take away from it, either well, exactly like I did or different takes on it.
1: I've done that in the past. I just, I haven't as much. And it's probably just because I have a one-year-old. Probably. <laughs>
0: um another trailer dropped today you probably haven't seen this because i i guess it dropped earlier today and i wasn't aware of it till um right when i was getting off of work today but there is they did a, another trailer for the new house of the dragon
1: i didn't see series. that today i saw it on twitter today
0: so i wanted to see what were your thoughts because did you watch the game of thrones right i did okay
1: I have so, put Game of Thrones so much out of my head, though, that yeah. I cannot tell what era this is supposed to be. Like, I can't tell how far away from you I'm know the, the precursor events of Game of Thrones this is. So this
0: is, I want to. It's probably just, probably just not very far. You're probably talking like fifty years.
1: Yeah, because is it like is this? Like when they were like Rickard Stark, is that Ned's dad?
0: Um, I think so because he says his name like in this part of this trailer. Yeah, they say says, they like show I, the, the Stark, Stark
1: name, the Baratheon name.
0: That is,
1: is that like Ned? And, uh, it could uh, be. I think
0: that's probably his grandfather.
1: Now that I'm thinking about it, just
0: thinking about the the characters because of who was, you know on the Iron Throne prior to what we saw in Game of Thrones and so like I've read the fire and blood book by George George R R Martin so it's basically just the Targaryen history.
1: He okay, it is it's Ned's dad.
0: Oh so it is Ned's
1: dad. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that makes sense. So the um so yeah, so this isn't that too far removed from where we were introduced when Game of Thrones began. So you're going to see some players, like you're going to see Lannister characters, and you know people that we're familiar with. But uh, and of course the Targaryens, because we're fully aware of, of them based on the show. Um, what did you, at your level? Are you were you a big into Game of Thrones, or were you? just pulled in part of the pop culture or what was your interaction with it?
1: I started watching it mid season one. I was, I was actually on the train pretty early and, wow. um, I watched, I, I like binged like three or f- I missed like the first three or four episodes and I binged that. And then I watched it religiously week to week, uh, as it came out so i was i was fully into it um i always had coworkers and friends that were very much into it my girlfriend who became my fiance who became my wife was very into it so yeah right. we were i listened i i watched every episode i i listened to podcasts on it i would read up yeah. on theories on it i was obsessed to tell you the truth
0: i was there too i th- i was into it later so like I I binged the first three. So I got into it after uh, season three was released. So in between the end of season three and the start of the fourth season, I watched the first three seasons. But then from that point forward, like I was, I was, I was deep into the whole Game of Thrones culture. So yeah, do the same I, thing. Listen to weekly podcasts, watching theory videos on youtube. Um, I went back and I read the books in between seasons, so I was like, yeah, I was deep into it.
1: I don't think I've ever been more disappointed by a show though,
0: yeah, and at the same time, during that time frame, I don't know if I've ever there's been a something that was completely took over culture, not just like. Like it was everywhere at its height, even like, you know, going into like that final season, like Game of Thrones, everything, everyone referenced Game of Thrones to the point where like I had to watch like a, I used to work for a a local government and they had like a, the state had a a ethics training video you had to watch. And the characters were like, name, like Stark and Lannister, like these (laughs) scenarios. And I was like, so like, it's, it's completely ingrained in American culture. This this worldwide fantasy. culture.
1: Yeah. So, and then it just disappeared. I
0: just don't think you're going to see something that ubiquitous
1: again. Are you excited about the new series?
0: Of course. Yes, of course I am. <laughs> because I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment.
1: I I'm 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 reserving myself like I am I'm am excited to see what it is but I'm not holding out hope that it's going to like light the fire that I used to once have you know there I don't there's never going to be another another show that pulled the rug out from underneath me just, like Game of Thrones did
0: I don't know I'm trying to figure out because it's a limited story because they have all the material because of the fire and blood books. So this is only like a, a middle section in, in, in that first book of the history history of the Targaryen. So there's a bunch of before history of the conquest and there's stuff obviously that happens after that leading up until what we know, you know, the rebellion and all that stuff. So, I just don't know how far they're going to go forward or back, really. Yeah, because with that It'll- name, title, House of the Dragon, you could go back and tell a, a Targaryen story from bef- before this season one events.
1: Oh yeah, you can go back a very, very long way
0: because you're still telling the story of the House of the Dragon because it's about Targaryens.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm excited to see what it is. I am again i don't i have no expectations so yeah maybe i hope i love it i really really do because i would love to to get back into some game of thrones
0: yeah i mean like we just said like i was is a big part of my life for several years and like you said then it's just gone and you're like i feel like i guess it's kind of you're kind of in you're kind of grieving this Thing that's been part of your life for so long is gone, and I think it's even more so because of the way it
1: ended. Yep. The guy's just like if you know, I could have handled and just not liking the ending, but it was what we got wasn't just a bad ending, it was like showrunners who decided that they just didn't care anymore. Like that's we just what, we just we just want it to be over.
0: Like I would have no problem with how it ended. And I'm glad we're going to relitigate uh, Game of Thrones here. Um, if they had just, like you said, I mean, you didn't have to make it six and seven episodes. You could have, you could have added those four, those other couple episodes in the last two seasons to kind of dude HBO flesh would have out given the them
1: as many seasons as they wanted.
0: But even if you wanted to end it in eight, you could have done ten and ten, yeah. And fleshed out that story, the same story. Just so it was made more sense and wasn't rushed,
1: I just don't like I, I don't know. We're not going to get into it. It was that's just, what I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit did. here and I'm start naming about. off the things that they didn't do. I'm, I'm glad we're talking
0: about a show that ended in uh, 2019 <laughs> oh, in 2022. God. I'm glad we're doing this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Matt, what else is, you got?
0: Is there anything else, uh, particularly that you're excited about watching? I mean, we talked about. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but i think i mentioned it that i'm going to see dr strange so i'm excited about that i mean i I don't have any
1: plans to see anything coming up i'm i am booked up this weekend and then i am booked up next weekend and i would have to find a babysitter to go see me so um i'm not sure the next time i'm going to get to go to the movies but we will see i uh, when something like like a, a marvel movie comes out like this doctor strange movie we we will go see it here within the next few weeks for sure while it's still in theaters there's no way that my wife will let me get away with with not going and seeing it but um you know i just don't know what night that will be where
0: well, are you going to see um i'm going to see top gun when it comes out the same weekend as a uh, kenobi
1: i kind of want to go see top gun and imax so uh an imax yeah. theater just opened up not too far for me and i was like it'd be really cool to go see top gun in that um but i don't know like swinging two movies this close to each other matt that's that's asking a lot but yeah um if top gun came out on hbo max i'd definitely watch it it's just for me to leave the house i have to leave someone here
0: i don't know like, what studio does. Top Gun. I even know what studio's releasing that movie, because I don't know if they're still doing it. But there are a couple of them that there is like a strict like forty five day like theater window, and then it's going like straight to streaming. Huh. Like you saw, like with the Batman, like it was, it was on HBO Max like two months later or something like that.
1: Yeah, it came to HBO Max pretty quick.
0: And so I just I didn't know if it was doing, if what studio because I don't think it's going to be on HBO Max, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't I don't know if I'll be able to swing seeing both of them in theaters. And Doctor Strange will take precedence, so we will see. Um, but yeah, besides that, watching Winning Time. Uh, That's kind of the only other show I got going on right now. I got
0: caught up because I guess I missed a week. And so I watched, I got, I watched two this past week. So I got caught up for I guess this is the finale on Sunday.
1: Correct. We have one more episode left. Um, and uh we will get to see the the finals against the Philadelphia 76ers.
0: <laughs> um yeah, I'm looking forward to that speaking yeah, of, it's been you...
1: it's been a fun show so far and i think i mentioned last week like there are there are you know very much explored character arcs which oh, yeah. i think is what really makes the show fun is that it really hashes out the characters it puts in front of you
0: yeah i've um man and that's one thing this whole like jerry west thing man let wait till it's over before you start making comments <laughs> because he's turned into a great, I mean, he was already a great character.
1: A a pr- pretty level-headed and uh, but, logical.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he, like, when he goes and talks to Magic and he kind of gives him that, you know, a very, like, human moment of talking to him about what it's like to be in this moment where whenever they lost to the 76ers. And, um, in the regular season, and it was uh, it was just that was he's one of the best characters on the show.
1: Yeah, he really, really is.
0: And you're gonna go to the Supreme Court, Jerry West. So whatever, man. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think there's anything else I'm watching. I think uh, my wife is wrapping up uh, Ozark. So, do you watch that?
1: I did not neither do i
0: so but um yeah no i'm not anything else i'm watching just those just waiting for kenobi gotcha. that's basically it
1: wait, yeah i i am i am just full bore ready for kenobi that's where i'm at
0: so i guess you could rewatch um some star wars stuff kind of get really hyped like watch like mandalorian two seasons and
1: uh watch some I, star wars I probably will watch revenge prequels Sith. yeah I'm not a fan of the prequels, but I probably will watch Revenge of the Sith just so I can be like, okay, put myself in a t- time frame.
0: So um, I had a conversation about this this week uh, about Star Wars. So you're you're about 10 years younger than me, I would think. Um, how I'm is your 34? Yeah. Okay. So you're like eight years younger, but yeah, right about that age. You your first interaction with Star Wars, was it the uh, how how did you get introduced to it? Did you is it the prequels? Because you were you're probably a child whenever those came out.
1: Uh they came out when I was about 10. Yeah. Uh, I was I was introduced to Star Wars younger than that. Okay. Um I still remember how I was introduced to Star Wars. So the the box set on VHS of the okay. trilogy came out. And my dad bought that i don't know how old i was it was probably seven ish and he brought them home and i watched them and it was the coolest thing i had ever seen in my entire life and i became quickly obsessed and it was it was before fourth grade because i also remember in fourth grade i had a friend that i like bonded with because they were very much into star wars 2 and they would have like they had all the extended universe books and they had these, like, cool, like, uh, books. They, like, kind of explain stuff about lightsabers and all this stuff. And they'd yeah. always bring them to school when I was in fourth grade. And so I got very, very into it. And then when the prequels came out, that was, I, I don't know how, but I convinced my dad that, you know, we needed to buy our tickets ahead of time. That's the only time I remember my dad ever being like, fine, I will buy you movie tickets ahead of time. Because he's not a big go to the movies guy. <laughs> So we went and saw Star Wars uh Phantom Menace when it first came out. And yeah. as a child, I loved it, but it is a uh objectively bad movie. <laughs> it's a
0: it's a weird I have a weird relationship with it because while yes, it is a bad film, there if you without it, you don't have like no of the Fates. So it's like And that's probably one of the...
1: Duel of the Fates is amazing. And Darth Maul is amazing. But that's part of the problem is I didn't get enough Duel of the Fates and I damn sure didn't get enough Darth Maul.
0: (laughs) And so like, it's just... So I have like a love-hate relationship with it. And I think I watched it. I went to the theater and watched it because I was a big Star Wars fan. I watched Star Wars as a kid. Um, Like the first movie I went to was Return of the Jedi when I was very young. And so... I grew up with it. But then there's like really no Star Wars most of my childhood other than like the
1: original films. What's your favorite Star Wars film?
0: Empire Strikes Back.
1: Okay, that's the correct answer because it's the best one. It's also wasn't written by George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, Which
0: I, I like. I mean, the the original three, I mean, I think they're all good films. There is, you know, there's some things in all of them that if it was out today, they'd be like ripped apart if it was if Twitter was around. But um, I think. Oh, they, God.
1: Yeah. Like Mark, Mark <laughs> Hamill's acting originally.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like George Lucas would be like, he wouldn't be able to work in Hollywood after those films were made because of some of the writing choices he made early on.
1: Correct. But for their the what made them so hyper successful is for their time. They were just yeah, they changed the game as it yeah. came to special effects.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, so yeah, whenever the Phantom Menace came out, I was hyped for a new Star Wars. And it was like I went to the theater and they had all like, you know, people dressing up and selling all kinds of stuff at the theater, and it was just like this, um, this crazy event. And then you go to the movie and you're like, well, I'm never going to see that again when you leave there and then you don't think about it. And I don't think I even watched Attack of the Clones until it was like on DVD. I didn't go and see that one. I was like, you know, I, I
1: saw like, Attack of Clones in theaters. I did not see Revenge of Sith in theaters, which I think is the only Star Wars movie I haven't seen in theaters.
0: I got, I saw Revenge of the Sith when it was in theaters. Although I had a bootleg uh, DVD I bought from someone in uh, the flea market in Waco, Texas. It had like the the running like, you know, like film numbers on the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. So I've uh, seen. That's why I've it.
1: gone and seen showings of the original three in theaters, but I, I did. I've never seen. uh I have not seen Revenge of the Sith theaters, which is arguably the best of the uh, of the prequels, but it's still not a good film. <laughs> yeah. So, but I
0: think it's Revenge of the Sith is the best of those three.
1: It is. Wow. It's the best of those three, but that's just not saying much. No. Um but
0: yeah. But I will say this. I am all that leads me to say that I'm excited for Hayden Christensen to get another shot at it.
1: Yeah. And I, I am excited for him to get another shot at it. And I, I don't one blame redeeming him. value of the prequels was that Ewan McGregor is an amazing Obi-Wan Kenobi.
0: Yeah. And I don't I really don't blame Hayden Christensen for how he's been characterized in for the prequels. Cause I really think it was a, a writing problem and not necessarily an acting problem, or it may be even a directing problem.
1: I think it was all of the above because he was he of the doing
0: film. the best he could with what he had and how he was directed to act.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, he didn't write those words. <laughs> he didn't write, I hate sand or whatever he says. Yeah.
1: I don't like sand,
0: so I mean that's not his fault. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited for I'm I'm really pumped for uh, for those guys.
1: Yep, same here. Well, Matt, right, where Joe, can the people find you?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D Workman, and if you want to, you can find the podcast at the Barred in Pod. What's you, Joe?
1: you can find me on twitter at the underscore joe underscore goodman as always come by and say hey matt good talking to you bud i'll be
0: uh, searching for my kyber crystal to make my lightsaber
1: (laughs) oh buddy i love how big of a nerd you are with star wars i'll talk to you later Podcast Network.